All right, welcome back to the Face Off Spot. This is your host, Adam Larson. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to uh, another episode. I always really appreciate it when you guys tune in. I also really appreciate our sponsor at Howie's Hockey Tape Company. If you'd like 10% off of your Howie's Hockey Tape purchase, please enter the coupon code FACEOFF10, that's FACEOFF, and then the number 10 into the coupon code area to get your 10% off of your Howie's Hockey Tape purchase. I know that uh, everybody's busy with hockey season here. You might look in the bag, not see the tape that you need, uh, so be prepared. Uh, get some tape, get 10% off, support the show, support Howie's, uh, it's all a good deal. Um, all right, well, welcome, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I appreciate everybody tuning back in. I know I did take a few weeks off, but we had an episode, great episode last week. We're going to have another great one this week. Um, I know that uh, I'm based out of the DFW area and that, uh, you know, the majority of the time we probably have somebody from uh, Texas or maybe from the surrounding areas. But every once in a while, I just I come across somebody and I, I kind of I, I like this guy knows a lot about hockey um, and whether or not that's me taking coaching courses or uh, traveling for these various, um, you know, rink industry uh, meetings and conferences. I meet a lot of really cool people. Um, I just so happened to uh, take a class. I want to say a couple of years ago it was a, a USA hockey certification class. And uh, this individual was on there and not only was extremely well-spoken. So I thought, man, this guy would do great on the podcast. Um, but he knows he had a lot of hockey knowledge. And um, I really was kind of interested in having him on at some point. So finally pulled the trigger, uh, reached out to him. I know that he's uh, extremely busy with everything he has going on. Uh, so I really appreciate him taking the time out. Uh, but anyway, today we have the head coach of the Honey Baked Tier 1 16U team. He is also a uh, coach developer with USA Hockey in the Michigan District. I would like to welcome onto the show today, Le Evan Alexius. Evan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that we had to reschedule a couple times, but uh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Adam, really appreciate you giving me the opportunity and super excited. Hopefully I give your audience uh, I don't know, some worthwhile information and entertainment, but yeah, I really appreciate this and this is going to be fun. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we had kind of talked about it before, but you know, there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are either uh, currently in their youth or junior hockey careers or their parents. So I feel like kind of sharing your story um, can kind of help give some answers to, you know, not just the players involved, uh, but maybe, you know, set some expectations from parents. I feel like there's a lot to learn. Uh, just from kind of telling your hockey story. So if you're ready for it, and every guest starts the episode off the same way, um, but you just kind of got to tell me, how did you get interested in the sport of hockey itself? Now, this might not have been the first time that you touched the ice, but what was the first thing that uh, um, kind of, how did hockey get your attention? Um, how old were you? Where were you? Uh, can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, of course. Um, it's actually a pretty cool story. I'd like to think um, it's nothing too glamorous, but I think it's definitely unique and I hopefully will resonate with some of the people that you have as audience members. But uh, so I'm originally from California. I'm not I'm not born and raised in Michigan. I'm born and raised in Northern California, Folsom specifically. And uh, I was actually a baseball player uh, growing up alongside some other sports, but hockey, I didn't grow up in a hockey family. Um, my, my parents were split growing up and I, I, my mom, you know, was our majority caretaker and um, she didn't come from a hockey background at all. She actually came from a horse training background. And uh, like I said, my brother and I didn't grow up knowing anything about hockey. And we started playing baseball in Little League. And at the time, I had a coach who uh, just thought for a couple of reasons that I might really enjoy it. And, and in Northern California at the time, roller hockey was pretty was pretty prevalent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was 12 years old at the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, 
my mom decided to allow us to give it a shot and and we did i think we went rollerblading one time or, or checked it out in an outdoor rink it wasn't an indoor it wasn't on plastic it was outdoor on cement and my brother and i never looked back and um you know i used to watch mighty ducks religiously i used to crush cans for pucks <laughs> yep. um you know to to shoot outside if, if we got the balls lost or, or the plastic pucks or whatever and but yeah i started a roller hockey and then uh we did that for a couple of years and kind of got in the realm of, of competitive roller hockey there for a little bit but then the transition to ice and the topic of that became pretty big right so there was this talk in california hockey or at least in northern california that roller was kind of going by the wayside i don't want to say dying but it was definitely becoming less popular and there was this narrative that if you didn't switch over to ice sooner than later you might be left behind in a sense. Yeah. Um, so my mom, you know, being the best mom she could, she, she tried to find out information and um, we made a switch and we got over to ice hockey. And like I kind of hinted at my, my playing career was nothing glamorous. I actually, my first year as ice hockey was Bantam, my Bantam year. Mm -hmm. And uh, full transparency, I actually made the Bantam B team. Mm -hmm. And um, I wasn't even a full-time member of the team. I actually was on the team as a practice player. Yeah. With, with no promises to actually play games, just to practice. And if there was an opportunity for me to play, um, the coach would spot me. Um, fortunate enough, I was able to actually play in, in all the games and uh, I was able to play. But, but I, you know, from hockey terms, I started ice hockey really late um, yeah. as a Bantam. And that was my second year. So I think I was 14 or so. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, I, I played out the rest of my, my youth hockey in Northern California. Um, and then, uh, yeah, after that, uh, I took a little, a brief stint off, but uh, I was able to then continue play some junior hockey out in Arizona for a year. And then at that point, I was given an opportunity to play some college hockey in North Dakota. And so I, I took yeah. that opportunity. Um, I played two years out there and it was kind of a unique situation where we kind of played it like a hybrid division three slash HHA D1 schedule. So one week we'd play St. Norbert. And then the next week we'd uh, play Minot State. And then one week we played Iowa State. And the next week we played Finlandia. Um, so it was a very unique experience. And then I returned back to California in 2015. And uh, I was given an opportunity to coach. And I haven't looked back since. So I stopped yeah. playing then. And uh, well, it's been the best decision I made. Well, so it's interesting because I, um, I bring this up quite a bit on the podcast when things get into the realm of roller hockey because yeah. i've had people on the other side of this that swear up and down that it'll ruin the kid and da, 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 da. i for one am a huge um a proponent of inline um and i'm not saying this all the time but i think that sometimes there might be coaches that tell you not to do it i, I I'm, I'm talking about the difference between sitting on the couch and and not doing anything and then playing roller hockey, which I mean, granted the edges are a little bit different, but it's still going to help you benefit the game. I think a huge example to that uh, is Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard, big roller hockey player. I think that we've seen how things have worked out for him. It looks like he belongs certainly, um, and uh, everything up to this point has looked uh, pretty good, obviously. But uh, score one for roller hockey. But another thing that I feel like roller hockey really, really helps with is. It's kind of a daunting task to have somebody show up, you know, like, oh, do you want to try ice hockey for the first time? Yeah, sure. Like, what does it cost? And this is before, you know, some of the try hockey for freeze and some of the programs that exist, you know, today. But, you know, if you're talking about, oh, well, you just have to go and uh, you got to buy skates and all the equipment. Oh, well, how much? Well, like a thousand dollars. Like, what? In, in, it, it, people get really kind of, you know, um, I feel like pu pushed away by the idea of that being the barrier between trying a sport. 
But when you talk about roller hockey, because I started off with roller hockey, uh, my buddies and I would play roller hockey during the off season all the time because my parents were down to spend money during the ice hockey season. But, you know, during the off season, it's like, look, like <laughs> you go find something else to do. That's maybe not to say that I wouldn't be on the ice at all. But, you know, uh, roller hockey was always kind of just the off season thing that uh, me and my buddies would do. But for as much as some of the ice hockey you know, coaches and community kind of like to dismiss roller hockey. I think it's a great entry way into the sport of hockey. Um, it's much cheaper. And the other thing too, is if your kids are super into roller hockey for, you know, a decent amount of time, it's, it's a little bit, you know, easier to kind of say, okay, well, this is kind of a passion of theirs. Um, so I actually really like your story because I feel like it's a plus one, uh, for the roller kids or the kids that started playing roller. Um, and I'm sure we both know plenty of players that started playing roller and that trans transition into ice didn't take very long. And they were just, you know, they ended up being really, really good hockey players because the game isn't that much different. There are some differences, but at the end of the day, I feel like roller hockey, um, it's a great thing to do alongside ice and is a great way to get um, initially interested in the sport. Yeah. And if I can follow up, I mean, no disrespect to your future past guests. Yes. Yeah swear up and down that roller hockey's negative but i mean i'd strongly disagree you know um i i think california especially southern california is a great base and like is a great pool to, to of players that have made it a high level on the ice side that grew up playing roller you know and mm -hmm. you know there, there's a couple of reasons why i think it's so beneficial one yeah is it a little different than our ice game yeah it is but different is good <laughs> different yeah. is okay and um i think most importantly, like, let's give kids a little more credit. Let's give our athletes a little more credit that they can adapt. And they're a lot more flexible than we think, whether it be physically or mentally. I mean, it's really not that hard for a 14 year old to play a roller game and then come back to ice and understand that there's lines and there's offsides and the pucks heavier and it's five on five. And there's just different dynamics. But I think our players are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And to think that they can't adapt or do both growing up is, is kind of to just me like narrow minded and illogical. And, and also even the core part of what you're talking about is like what we try to preach at USA hockey. But I think just as youth sports in general is play multiple sports, right? Roller hockey is a different dynamic. Therefore it's a different sport and it's not going to hurt our kids any less or any more to play and explore themselves there physically or mentally or emotionally. And yeah, I think ultimately like if your kid loves it, why not? You know, I, 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 I just don't think it's going to be a detriment and, playing multiple sports is already hard as it is in our culture, just with how we're all competing for the same kids. And that's ice hockey too. Like I, I'm aware that we're a full year round sport that we, uh, we hold kids back from playing baseball or soccer or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, I, I think if you can and, and you can foster that, it's a great opportunity for kids to play and, and just learn a different dynamic skill set. You know, like I went back a couple of years ago to play and I was a wreck, you know, because once I started playing ice, I never looked back and, I, I kind of miss it. You know, I miss the different dynamics. I miss how the game is thought differently and processed, but I, I do think there's a lot of players that do both and they find themselves very successful on one way or the other. So um, I think it's great. I think I, I highly encourage kids to do it. Yeah. And, you know, another one of those things too, is that, uh, you know, with roller hockey, I, I do feel like, you know, with it not being a five on five game, I find a lot of the times that there's more time and space to be yep. creative. Um, and if you're looking at something that, you know, because when I talk about past guests, I'm really not trying to throw anybody under the bus because I always I always stick up for roller hockey. I promise you. Evan, yeah, I, yeah. I always do. I always stick up for it. But I feel like majority of the time it is either um, it's a coach or you know whoever is on that didn't play roller hockey 
or, and I know this sounds sad, it, it's some people that are wanting those kids to be on the ice, taking lessons, going to the tournaments during the off season, which there's nothing wrong with doing any of those things. Um, but I think realistically, when you're looking at it, it's like, well, this is a kind of a no brainer that this is going to be just different enough, but in the same lane to where this is just, you know, kind of a good thing. But yeah, as far as, you know, time and space and a little bit more creativity, you know, you don't necessarily, you know, have a, a guy right on you, uh, a lot more of stick play. Uh, yep. there's just, there, there, there's a whole lot, a uh, whole lot. So anyway, Evan, thank you. Plus one roller hockey. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad we started off that way. But the funny part is, is that I feel like there's a direct correlation when I have people down here, um, you know, cause sometimes you talk to people up North and they're not as into the roller hockey, but there, there has been plenty of people, um, that are proponents, but it's usually people that have started in what I would either call like Southern areas or maybe an area that doesn't have you know ice or it's not as prevalent at that time um you know but but either way i feel like there's there's a certain part of the country that kind of has more of an appreciation for it because they kind of had to start that way uh like yourself yeah no i mean i think i look back in my childhood i mean the city i grew up in sacramento um you know it's the capital city of california but there's only one ice rink you know for for three million plus people so it wasn't like growing up here in Michigan where I drive around the corner and there's multiple different rinks. You know, when I moved here, I remember calling my brother and just say, there's a hockey rink on every corner. Like, it's amazing. Uh-huh. Like there's, and, and, and it changes dynamic when you're growing up, when there's a plethora of ice available. And obviously out here, like there's an, there's an outdoor season. It's legit. You know, you can play outdoors and have fun. And back in Cali, like, yeah, we didn't have winters, you know, and if we did, they definitely didn't have snow on the ground yeah. and um, outdoor roller rinks or just even indoor facilities were a lot easier to come by. So I yeah. just think that uh, for us, especially on the West Coast, I think it's changing. I think the ice part of the game is really like evolving out there, especially in Southern California. They're doing a great oh, job. Yeah. yeah. But I know Arizona is a huge roller community. And, and like I said, I just think it was ice availability that really led for us to start roller first, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I promise I won't make the whole episode about roller hockey that we will. <laughs> we will. It's all we'll good, man. Your show, your call. Hey, right? Yeah, thank you. See, so far you're my favorite guest. I think. Oh, let, me, let me do my thing at roller hockey. Uh, but anyway, I do want to, I kind of want to move into, because I, I think you said that you, you kind of took a little bit of a break uh, before you started coaching. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I got done playing in 2015. I came back and uh, I won't like go into long detail, but I was, I was still was hell bent on playing. And I came back home to California. I just wanted to help around the ranks and and push pucks and um, just work for a little bit and then obviously train and then prepare to go off and continue my college career. And uh, locally, the rink that I was going to, that I wanted to um, be involved with, like they just didn't have any opportunity. And for some reason, I was like, okay, I'll just email the next closest rink, which happened to be an hour away from my front door back in Sacramento, which was in Vacaville. And um, I got an email response from Larry Kahn. And, uh, I go down to meet Larry. He says, Hey, let's have a conversation. I go down to meet him. And, uh, that's when my coaching career started because really he just offered me to help him on Saturdays with this like day camp. And I, I worked with him all summer. I would do these camps. I would kind of shadow him in some different areas. And in exchange for that, I, he trained me on the ice and I was completely out of my league with who I was on the ice with. I mean, Brian Adams, who's uh who's a senior now at air force Academy, Patrick Kordoranko, who was at the national program at Michigan State and is now in the American Hockey League. Robbie Jackson, who played at St. Cloud State and was the rookie of the year in the USHL. He uh, he's, he's playing in Europe, I believe. 
And Larry brought me on the ice with these guys, Nate Callen, who played at Ferris State and is uh, also playing, I think, in the East Coast or American League. And as I grew this relationship with Larry and kind of this mentorship, uh, it was one day he came up to me and he goes, hey, I know you're, you want to keep playing, but I have an opportunity for you to coach and I think you'd be great at it. And you'd be my assistant coach on a 12 single A team here in Vacaville. So nothing serious, not tier one, not huge into the youth hockey scene. And, um, you know, I, I just felt right in my heart, to be honest. I know that sounds kind of romantic, but it's the truth. Like I just felt something in my heart telling me that, uh, yeah, I needed to do this. And I remember calling my mom and said, mom, this just sounds too good to be true. Like, I feel like God wants me to do this. And she said, yeah, follow your heart. And I said, okay, Larry, I'm going to stay and I'll coach with you. And yeah, that's how it is. I just stopped playing and started coaching and um, yeah, I was, and I was able to be mentored. I was able to learn how to deal with kids, how to, how to communicate with parents. Um, we had a really successful year and I think that helped me grow into the coach I was, I am now. And just in the fact that I was allowed to be patient with, and a lot of the parents had grace with me and, and Larry obviously allowed me a lot of leash and to do things and, and grow me as a coach. And like I said, since 2015, I didn't turn back and I was there for, for four years and then I was um in San Jose for one year and then uh now I'm in Michigan <laughs> yeah so, well that's been pretty cool well I, I mean I think I think you're on a, a good trajectory here and I do have to ask this question I'm yeah. trying to you know pick up on some things but um when you said you were an hour away from the rink is that an hour away from the rink that you ended up coaching at on a regular basis yeah, so Vacaville Ice Sports was the rink that I ended up working with Larry, and yeah, that was an hour away from Sacramento. So from my front door to Larry was an hour, and I just made the commute every day. And um, when I started coaching full time down there, yeah, I'd make commutes and I'd coach my teams out of the practice. That was our home facility, and it was a little bit of a sacrifice, but nothing really in California. That's nothing out of the norm, you know. That's just kind of yeah. what people do, whether that be in Southern California or Northern California. I mean, the year as a player that I played in San Jose, I mean believe it or not, my mom, my mom was driving two and a half hours each way oh, to get wow. us to practice. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm getting in the car at three o'clock from school. We're driving straight to San Jose. I'm getting on the ice at eight, nine o'clock at night. We're getting off at 1030, 1045. I'm driving back in home at one and doing it all over again. My brother and I did that for a whole year. So an hour didn't seem very long. And it was only a couple years later than I would be driving to San Jose from Sacramento to coach an 18 AAA team. So I was making yeah. the two and a half hour commute too. <laughs> yeah. But um, just minor sacrifices for big gains, really. Yeah. Well, and, but it's like, you know, at the time though, there can be, you know, moments. And even if you're super, you know, invested into something, there can still be moments where you're like, man, like that's, a, that's an hour drive. But then and here's the other thing, too. I find like, you know, um, what I would call successful individuals in the hockey or rink industry, um, usually there's uh, at least one or two good parents uh, in the story there. So I I, I, I always kind of liken it to I didn't appreciate it, I feel like, as much when I was younger because I just thought, well, I'm a kid and, you know, my parents are taking me to, you know, this hockey tournament or that hockey tournament, not really understanding, I feel like, until I got older, you know, kind of the sacrifice uh, that that took. And, yeah. um, I think looking back on it, it's like, man, like I wouldn't be here or I, you know, I, I really wouldn't be in this position without those sacrifices. But, uh, yeah, shout out to hockey parents, uh, especially ones that are driving two and a half hours because, uh, you know, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, but that, that's really great there. Um, and I do want to kind of share a story. There's going to be a, a half story, half question, Yeah. but, uh, I always consider, cause I don't think I did it the right way. Like you did. Um, not to say there's a right or wrong way. Yeah, I'm about to say, I'm not sure if I'm doing it the right way, so we'll see. 
Well, but 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 here's the thing is um I felt like um I felt like I knew I was a good hockey player uh growing up and I think I, I coached one of my first teams. I'm 37 now, so it would be I don't know my early 20s. So, you know, I think I got this down. Coaching, you know, I can play, you know, obviously I should be able to coach cuz you know, I play well, so this should be fine. My first year of coaching was one of the most humbling experiences and it's because I hadn't what am I trying to say? I hadn't learned what I needed to about coaching. I knew a lot about hockey, but I did not know how to uh, communicate the way that I needed to communicate. It was still a decent season. It wasn't that it was, it was super terrible, but I was super, super humbled my first season of coaching. And I really felt like it would have been better for me um, to kind of be around people that could kind of show me, you know, what it kind of took or, or, or what I was in for. Um, so in that aspect, and and I, I did continue to get better. I promised I got better after that. And I was young, you know, and I was cocky and, and the whole thing. Um, but I was A, humbled. Um, B, I knew that I needed to get better about my communication because the way that coaches coach nowadays is a little bit different than, like I said, I'm 37, a little bit. Well, I'm like, well, I'll just yell at the kids and then they'll do what I say because that's, yeah. you know, just what we did. Turns out that's not the case, and it took it didn't take me very long to to kind of figure that out. But um, I, I think with you kind of starting and you being surrounded by these people, I think it was a right decision for you because you invested into you invested into it like you would in education, if if that makes sense. Yeah, and like I just want to preface, you know, like to your guests and to the audience, like I'm not perfect, right? So uh, it's easy to be on this side of the computer and like talk all coach talk and you know, there's times I still get it wrong and there's times I, I need help and there's times I seek questions and there are times that, you know, my voice gets at an elevated rate that it shouldn't, right? Or my tongue slips or, um, you know, there, there's still holes in my coaching game too, but mentorship is huge. And I think that's kind of what you're asking me. And like, I, I can't tell you and I can't stress you enough, Adam, that like mentorship to me was, is a single valued factor of how I'm successful now as a coach. And it took place with Larry, like I said, mentoring me and, and, I don't mean to point the finger, but a lot of coaching colleagues I have that just get into it, I, I feel like that's what they lack. You know, they have that playing experience more than me, right? There's plenty of guys I coach against that have way more prestigious playing careers than I ever did. Mm -hmm. However, coaching is different and, and communicating with parents is different and communicating with 15 year olds is different and understanding, you know, the end goal and, and what that looks like in planning a practice and having a purpose behind that practice plan and having a theme and you know, managing a staff and trying to develop your assistant coaches. Those are all things I learned with Larry, you know, and, and he helped me. And then he allowed me to do it on my own a little bit. And I, and I had to grow in some areas. And then, you know, San Jose, we haven't talked about that, but San Jose was a really big growing period for me, but my mentorship hasn't ended because I come to Michigan now and I'm working for Honey Baked and Jeff Lurd is mentoring me. Lyle, Lyle Fair is mentoring me. Tom Anastas is mentoring me. So every day I had this opportunity to be mentored that if I stumble or if I'm lacking or if I just need reassurance, these guys are right there to go to, you know, and they're, they're, they've, they've risked a lot to be honest for me, um, to even hire me and to have me work and, and represent their organization, um, especially being a no name guy from California and Michigan, quite frankly. And I'm super indebted to all these men. And I think as I continue to climb the ladder, like the mentorship won't stop. There's mentorship on USA hockey side for me, you know, and, there's, there's tons of people that I can lean on and call and ask questions. And I just think if I had just got into coaching Adam with no mentorship, I think I would be, um, I think I would have burned out already. 
Mm. And I think I would have been in a really tough spot because I, I learned essential skills being mentored and I still am that are constantly reminders that I can improve and get better. And it's so helpful to lean on someone else, you know? And I think, you know, and your audience probably knows you don't get anywhere without help. Like you don't get anywhere without people believing in you. And people ask me a lot, like, so you want to be an NHL coach? And I say, yeah. And they're like, wow, that's awesome. And part of it is, yeah, I believe I can do it. I believe it's my calling, but a part of it too. And I know some people think I'm putting too much pressure on myself, but I've been really fortunate to have people believe in me. And I want to show them that their belief in me mattered and their belief in me was true. And I'm going to make it because I was mentored and they did help me and um, I wouldn't be there without them. So yeah, back to your base question, like mentorship, I just think in coaching is, is huge, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that you just, you know, and part of, part of this is why the reason I wanted you on the show is that um, I feel like you're, you're able to explain um, a lot of the things and you did this really well in the class that I took and we will get to why you were uh, helping with that class. Um, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I really felt like the way that you were able to articulate that things, it really worked for me. And I was like, okay, I definitely could understand uh, why he would be a, commu- a good communicator to his players and uh, also other coaches. Um, getting kind of back into your story just to kind of expand upon it because you know you said yourself, you're a California boy, you're uh, down in San Jose. You end up in Michigan, kind of how, you know, um, what, what is that kind of like? Because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a different, uh, culture. I mean, obviously, you know, the hockey world is small, you know, but I mean, it's a, there, there, there's a, there's a big difference there. Uh, I'm sure not just weather wise, but, uh, there's some other (laughs) changes. Could you, uh, could you kind of go through your transition, uh, into going, did you go from San Jose to Michigan? Is that cool? Yeah, I had a, so I'll, I'll give you the, I'll try to give you the, um, the cliff notes version as, as soon as possible. So I'm coaching in San Jose. I'm coaching an 18 tier one team. We've punched our ticket to nationals after winning the district championship. So, um, this is, this is February or April of 2020, right? So we're headed to nationals, which is actually hosted here in Rochester, Rochester, Michigan that year, um, by suburban. So by the company that owns Honeybaked, which is just a really small world. So we're, we're think we're going well. I, I, you and your audience and everyone probably remembers that time um, practices were starting to get canceled and this this murmur around rinks that this COVID-19 thing was coming pretty hot and heavy. Well, yep. I get a phone call one day from our Junior Sharks leadership that our season is canceled and uh, we're not going to nationals and, and hockey is on pause because the world eventually went on pause for a really long time. At the time, I'm sitting there at home twiddling my thumbs um, just unsure of what to do. I think like a lot of people, but I still had this goal in mind of coaching at the highest level possible. And part of that route is possibly college hockey. And I was under the assumption, and I still think this might be true, but to coach division one athletics, you need a, you need a graduate degree or you need a secondary degree at a higher, at a higher level. So I apply to a multiple different graduate schools, all with division one hockey teams thinking I'm going to go to school you know what, I don't know when the world's going to go back to resume and I don't know when the hockey world's going to look like. So I better just get this schooling thing out of the way and I'll be a graduate assistant. I'll learn, I'll take a couple of years off and I'll just learn, learn, learn from some division one staff or be at least integrated in the division one staff. I get into university of Mich- Michigan graduate school. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm going there. I'm excited. I start talking to the Michigan hockey program at the time. Bancroft, um, was the, uh, the hockey, uh, hockey ops director and Mel Pearson was a head coach at the time. 
So I'm talking to him, but I'm looking for an answer and I'm, I'm not very patient. Well, he's trying to tell me like, Hey dude, uh, we have no idea if we're even going to play hockey. You know, like the big 10 has no news. We're still doing classes remotely as of right now. We don't know what the hockey season is going to look like. And so last minute, you know, I, I don't know nobody here. I didn't have family when I moved here. I had no friends. Um, I had no job and I had no house to be, to be frank. Um, so last minute I got really kind of just cold feet and I switched and I went to Arizona state and, uh, there was a law program there that had sports law and business. And I said, you know what, I'll check it out. Maybe I want to work on the agent side of things. Um, I know Arizona, I know people there are more comfortable there. Hey, they have a D one hockey team. Maybe I'll be a bigger fish in a small pond. So I shoot down August of, uh, August of 2020, August, is it? Yeah. August of 2020, I shoot down to Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm living there. I'm going to ASU as a grad student. Um, things just aren't, I, I loved my lifestyle there. I loved my social life. I, I, I enjoyed some aspects, but I had no hockey. I wasn't able to connect with the division one team. Um, and I, and the junior county full staffing wise, and just things weren't working out. Well, I get a phone call one day from Michigan and I, I walk outside of class and I pick it up and it's Evan Hall, who, who I believe is still the video coach at the university for the hockey team. And he goes, Hey, is this Evan Alexius? I go, yes, it is. And he goes, Hey, it's Mr. Hall. And I'm with the, the men's hockey team. We just got news from the big 10. We're going to play a season and you're number one to work for me in the video department. Are you on campus? Uh, no, I'm not on campus, but I'll get there tomorrow. And he's like, okay, well, there's some obviously things with that. So I'll have to call you back. Well, two days later, maybe three, I'm, I, I, I don't lie to you. I get another phone call from Michigan. I step out and it's Lyle Fair, um, head of uh, suburban sports group and, and honey Bay talkie. He asked me the same thing. Hey, are you on campus at university of Michigan? We're looking for someone to help with our 18 team right now. And uh, we came across your resume and I pretty much told him, I said, look, I, I want to come, I want to be there and I want to coach. So however we need to figure something out, I will, I'm willing to leave school and come to Michigan and coach. Let's just figure something out for the next two weeks. We talked, um, they, they were, they created a position for me outside of coaching for honey big. And on November 1st, I packed up my car with my dog in Scottsdale and drove and landed in Michigan in November 3rd <laughs> and started life here to be honest. Yeah. So, um, very random, but, uh, I love it here and I'm, and I'm super, super happy. I came. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of crazy. Cause you know, I feel like, um, I feel like if, and I keep going back to if you're in the rink industry or the hockey, you know, world, there's travel, you know what I mean? There is not a lot of people that just, and it does happen. I'm not saying it never happens, but for the most part, you know, those, <clears throat> those new, uh, you know, those new things that you can do, those new positions, those new opportunities. A lot of the times that might be halfway across the country or in a different country, or, you know, it could be anywhere. But when you're talking about packing up your car, putting your dog in there, um, cause, cause, cause here's the thing is that I've moved around quite a bit for hockey and rank industry as well. And there's a lot of times where it's like, Oh, you see me now, but you didn't see me when I got here. And that's because, you know, I literally had nothing. You know, but, 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 but when you have that belief, you sleep well at night, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you feel like you're at least you're following your dreams. And then the cool part is, and I'm sure that you do this and I, I, I try and do this on a regular basis, but I think back on, okay, when I first got here, how scared was I, how, um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have my, I knew that there was an opportunity here. I didn't know what it was going to be because I only knew maybe one or two people you know, but, but I kind of risked everything and I made it work. 
you know. But I think that only happens if you have this desire to kind of like fulfill your dream and also taking a chance. Like, and I I don't want to call it just like a um be, be, because you feel it. I don't want to say yeah. you're just like, well, you know, okay, the wind's blowing this way, I'm going to go this way. Um, but as far as you know that drive, because I've taken that drive that you're talking about, and that drive is one of those. What am I doing? What am I doing? Like we're doing it. Like I'm already moving forward. But when you look back on it, you're like, man, that was probably one of the best, you know, best things I ever did. Um, but it get, it can be really scary um, before you actually do it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some fear involved. But like you like you say, I think your passion for your dream or your self belief or even that belief in other people is stronger than that fear. Yeah. And you just have to remind yourself that, you know, like, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? I come to Michigan, I don't succeed. Okay. I can always go back to California. I can always go back to Arizona, but this phone call maybe only happens. And, you know, I dedicated myself to chasing this, you know, and if I tell myself and look in the mirror that I want to be an NHL coach, there is sacrifice that needs to happen. And fortunately in my life at the time, you know, I'm single, I don't have kids, I'm not married. Um, you know, I, and I have the flexibility to go. So go. And I think the life lesson for me was now I know I can do that, which is really cool. Now I know I have the ability to not just pack it and leave because things are getting hard or because I just, you know, because I just want to say I did, but if I do feel it's right and I feel like I can justify it and I feel like people believe in me and are supporting me, then why not? You know, there's so many people that get stuck and it's cool to think, yeah, I did this. And you know, I love Michigan and I, and I really love my life here. And I think, and people ask me all the time, you don't miss California or like, how do you love it here? And I think I love it here a lot more because I had to create a life here for myself. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the first 35 days I lived here, I lived in hotels, man. Like I didn't like, I, I'm telling you, I did not have a place to live, <laughs> you know, and I'm not looking for sympathy. It's just, mm -hmm. I flew by the seat of my pants and you learn a lot about yourself when you do that. And it's an experience I, I rely on. And it's, it's just something I kind of, I kind of hold close to my heart. Cause it's like, yeah, I can do that. So if I need to go again, I, I can do it. And, um, and it's worked out. And again, like the people here have been so wonderful to me and they gave me a chance and you know, I'm kind of indebted to that. Yeah. Well, I will say that the, the cool part about it, if you're like me and I'm assuming that you are, is like, Oh, I get to meet a bunch of new people. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of the fun part too. It's like because I love, um, I really, I just love hockey communities in general. I feel like, uh, and especially if I feel like I'm setting myself up to be a part of one, um, you know, because sometimes people come in and out, like you know, people like yourself move, you know, uh, move around a little bit. So I do feel like you know when you land, it's like all right, well, I'm gonna start, you know, uh, really getting to know these people and and really becoming a part of the community and helping out as much as I can. Um, so I think all those things are good. Um, one thing I do want to get to before we end this, though, because we're getting a little bit closer on time, because uh, this is actually how um, how I got to know you. Um, but how did you start uh, getting involved with USA Hockey? Because I feel like, um, you know, they they could probably ask quite a few different people like, hey, would you like to be involved? Or, you know, I, I, I feel like it would be um a, quite an accomplishment and i'm not trying to pump your tires even though as the host of the show it's kind of my job a little bit yeah. you know um but anyway that's not you know um if you were to ask most coaches like hey would you want to be involved in uh the development with usa hockey um i feel like nine out of ten of them would be like absolutely of course so you've got yourself uh in this situation can you kind of talk about how that happened and um yeah like uh, what's going on with that 
Yeah. So obviously I land in Michigan and, and I think my supervisors and my leaders here, right? Tom and Lyle and Lurgy just saw that I was hungry and I wanted every opportunity to be a part of the game and just grow myself professionally on that side with all the opportunity that's here. And, um, I remember Lyle just talking, he goes, Hey, I, I think there might come an opportunity where you get in front of the USA hockey guy. And I think, um, there might be an opportunity for you to get on the coach developing side. If you're interested, and I can make that introduction for you. And I said, yeah, hundred percent. So it started with some, some local Maha USA hockey select camps that we all have in our districts. Right. And I've participated in those before in California and I got involved here in Michigan pretty quickly. And then I got connected with a gentleman named Matt Keckaby and Matt Keckaby is the, the district chief coach in chief here. Um, in Michigan. And uh, he represents USA Hockey um, for our state. And he's a wonderful man. And like I talked about mentors, he's another mentor of mine. And him and I came across each other through an introduction. And he was looking for someone to add on to his coach development staff. And he was kind of looking for younger coaches that have enthusiasm and, and are really hungry. And, you know, ultimately, I, I do believe in what USA Hockey preaches. Do I do I agree all the time? No, there's some things that I um, think differently on. And that's all right. And we talk it out. But and and ultimately, I do want to be a part of USA Hockey in some realm moving forward. So when Matt said, hey, if if we get you training, would you be interested in doing this coach developing thing? Would you be passionate about helping other coaches? And like we talked about earlier, it's like, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I got mentored. I got helped. If I can just send one message during a clinic that might help a coach just a little bit, yeah, I would love to give back to the community. Because that's another thing, right, about the coaching community. Sometimes we can be so guarded and like, super reserved towards one another because it's super competitive but and i'm like that too sometimes you know i'm not always the best to to play with but you know i just thought to myself I'm like yeah if i can give back to the coaching community that'd be awesome and i and i am really really passionate about coaching so what better to to not only talk about hockey but then talk to other coaches and help them like no brainer so he gave me an opportunity and i've been doing clinics since and um yeah that's what i do so we host clinics throughout the nation and um, not only here in michigan and there's a chance if you're level one, two, or three, that I'm on your call helping you go through a segment of your coaching clinic before you get certified. And um, it's been great. It's taught me a lot. It's built a lot of relationships for me. And we'll see what that looks like for me in the future. But it's it's been great. And I'm really, really thankful for the opportunity too, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, those court, because I'm, I'm assuming that any coach that's listening is uh, they, they understand the, uh, the coaching clinics that USA Hockey puts on. But one of my favorite things, though, is having a conversation because I feel like this is where all the creative ideas you have the, and not that we're always on the same call, but you might have a U8 coach who's never coached a day in his life. Yep. He's got some ideas. It's like, Oh, like, okay. Like, you know, you're new to this, you know, you're new to this, but you're involved and you're, and then you kind of got somebody that's been around for a lot. Like, it's almost like it's more creative when you have a lot of voices, whether or not you agree or disagree or whatever, but there's, there's a, plethora of ideas that are being shared uh, and it's one of those things you can pick up when you what, what you want to pick up you don't have to pick up everything but I have learned like I said I have learned a lot from first year coaches that coach U8 hockey you know and there's just a lot of ideas 100%. thrown around and I think sometimes and I, I can do this myself but you know you get to where like well I'm you know I'm level four now and I uh you know I've I've coached a long time and played so yeah you but that that type of mentality doesn't, you know, end up making you a better coach. Being open uh, to other, you know, other things. So it, realistically, even you being a part of this call, even though you're technically working for USA Hockey, 
um, you can learn, I feel like, a lot from people that are even asking you questions or just being involved with a bunch of coaches, you know, all at once. Because I think sometimes as a coach, you feel like you're kind of, you have other coaches around you, but, you know, not like when the USA Hockey puts their, uh, you know, online clinics together or things like that, because then there's just like a tornado of ideas. And that's what I love because, I don't know, like uh, the more ideas, the merrier, because at least it's a good uh I don't know, thought process game, if that makes it. Yeah. And like, also, I just think it's for me, I was there at one point, you know, it's like oh, I, yeah. when I, when I went down to Vacville, it wasn't Larry putting me on the ice with tier one hockey players. Like, yeah, I started with eight year olds, you know, yeah. I started with eight and six year olds. So I can relate to these coaches that get on these calls. And I was like, Hey, I only have 60 minutes of ice. There's only one of me and I've got 15 kids. What, how do I do this? You know? And obviously my world looks a little different now coaching here in Michigan at honey Bake from that. But I'm not that too far removed from that. And I think it also, like you said, you just get these coaches together and you want to be a lifelong learner, right? That's what really coaching is because you're going to continue to learn and get better and hopefully demonstrate that life lesson to your players. But yeah, I, I think it will hopefully be unique one day. And it's something that I, again, hold to, to my heart that it's like, yeah, I know what it feels like to be an AU coach, man. I know what it feels like <laughs> to work with 26-year-olds that are trying to escape for the first time. I know what it's like to run a try hockey for a free event and kids can't stand up. Like, yeah. I just think it's, it's really refreshing. And also like, Adam, that's the grassroots of our sport. Like those people are impacting our future players, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I'm sitting here telling you like, yeah, I want to be an NHL coach. I have there might be a guy on that call who's coaching the next Connor McDavid. I have no idea. Now yeah. I don't, we're not there to really discover that, but that's the truth. So we have to, we have to lean into those people. We have to feed them. We have to nourish them because ultimately they're prepared for the next generation. And that next generation is who we're relying on to carry the torch for our game. So I just think pouring into those coaches is important and giving back to our sport. Like, you know, when you're a part of something, you give back and I just, I, it's really valuable. You learn, you give, uh, not much better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I bought, and do not steal this USA hockey or Evan, do not <laughs> steal this, but I think it would be a great show to have some of these NHL coaches have to coach just one, Eight yeah. U game, yeah. This way, and the kids are not allowed to know that they're NHL coaches. These guys have to go in and they have to coach an eight U hockey game at some point. Because I feel like there's lessons to be learned at that level that almost any coach should uh, be aware of. Because for the most part, when I say eight U, six U's, obviously the younger kids, um, but they don't necessarily always care what you know. They care about like how fun the game is, and are you making this fun for me? And I want to talk about that. You know, it's um. It's it's kind of also another exercise, and like I just I really feel like that that youngest age group that you possibly can. Like there are times where I use that, you know, in my uh, you know coaching high school, for example. It's like oh, I need to go reach back in that bag of eight U tricks to where I'm like, well, this game is really fun, but you know, like and I wouldn't 100%. have necessarily I wouldn't have necessarily had that in my bag had I not coached eight U's. And the thing is, is that I could give them the best you know idea and. Uh, coach them the best way I can, but if I don't make it fun. Um, but I think that what we're finding is that you need to continue to make it a little bit of fun. Um, I don't know. Everybody likes to have fun. So if you can learn and have fun at the same time, um, I feel like that's beneficial. But I feel like coaching the younger age groups is kind of where you uh, uh, excel at that or where you sharpen or hone that skill. Yeah. And kids keep us grounded. You know, they're great reminders of what's important in life, really. You know, I don't think we give. We don't give six-year-olds and eight-year-olds enough credit, but if you really listen to them, they'll teach you a lot, you know, and 
There's times where I was coaching eight year olds, right. And we're playing three on three cross ice or six year or whatever. And you're into it. You're having fun. And you know, all they want to do is tell you that they're going to Johnny's birthday party later. Uh-huh, you know? absolutely. It's like yeah. they could care less, but they just want you to know that Johnny's birthday party is coming up and they cannot wait, you know, or <laughs> so that's exciting. Want to, you know? Yeah. They want to be a superhero. And it's like, <laughs> it just takes you back to take a deep breath and kind of look at things a bigger picture. Cause like I said, I, I'm not perfect and I get lost in this grand scheme of things. And um, yeah, they're just, they're great. They're great. They, they, they're great. Like they teach you so much if you just listen and give them credit and hear them yeah. because, uh, you know, they, they reflect us a lot more than we yeah. like to admit. <laughs> well, and it's funny, I'm coaching, so I'm coaching uh 10 U single A travel. So this is kind of like the first, uh, yeah, first year, but yep. so, but, 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 you know, but they're, they're, they're little, pro- I'll, I'll say they're little professionals because they're, they're all really excited to start playing travel. A lot of these kids have been playing um you know third ice for a while and like they're they're just super excited you know they haven't had enough time to dislike anything like they're just very happy to be playing travel hockey and some of the even at that age you know like i said even if they've been playing you know let's say they're eight nine ten years old they could still be have played for like five years or if not more than that five to six years so like they're good little hockey players and they go out and they look like pros and then they come off and they're standing next to you and they're like i have this actually did happen i'm not making this up this past weekend I have four scoops of ice cream last night. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah, exactly. you know, that, that, that player was just out battling, you know, it's not like they weren't focused or, or anything, but it was just one of those things to where, you know, in, in my brain, I'm, I'm watching them play like little professionals, but then I am forgetting, uh, that they are eight and nine years old and that, you know, maybe that, um, but anyway, I do think that there is a, a is a lot to learn. Um, and I would still like that as like a show. I would still really like to see, you know, um, it might get some views for sure. I think it would. I think it really would because the, the, the little kids would not care. It would not necessarily, I feel like excite them. Like it would, you know, you bring these NHL coaches into a 12 U or a 14 U and then everything's whatever six U's, eight U's. Ah, we don't care. Like, you know, yeah. what can you do? What can you do for us? But, uh, anyway, um, Hey, so I think we're uh, nearing the end. So that means we only have one more segment. Um, no worries. The majority of these podcasts, there's no rules. It's very uh, open conversationally. You can kind of talk about whatever you'd like to. This is the part that there's rules to this. This is where it gets very serious with all the rules that are in this segment. Uh, It's called the shout out. You just have to say something positive. That's really the only rule. Um, You can say... You can say something nice about friends and family. You can have multiple shout outs, really. You can say something nice about friends and family. Uh, you could do like a coaching mantra. You can do um, really anything that is positive. I have to do one too. Uh, but do you think that you can give a shout out to anything positive? Yeah, I think my shout out would be to your audience, especially the parents and the players out there. Um, you know, I was taught this really young and I'll believe it, you know, until I stopped coaching really or until maybe the day I die. But this is a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to development and when it comes to a player's path. And I just think for 99% of players out there, just know it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's okay. Enjoy it. Um, love the process, find a process, stick to a process, but just know that just cause you're not elite at 16 or 18 years old, you are not to give up and you haven't been given up on either, you know, just give yourself the longest runway possible and just know that you don't need to be elite at 16. You just need to be, 
you need to be good when it counts. And there's a long runway until you're 21 to make that happen. And even possibly after that, for some of us that are fortunate to keep playing after we're 21 years old. So to me, to everyone, just keep going. And uh, like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's good. Whoa. See, that's a very good shout out. See, you, you, you passed the test, dude. There were rules in place. I was ready to shut it down in case it started getting negative. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that was going to be a problem with you, Evan, but uh, that's why I'm here. But I have to do these as well. Um, and I am going to go ahead and I am going to shout out um, coaching education. Um, I do think that it's important. Um, and within education, I think I am also referring to um, being open and, and being open to new ideas and not necessarily because the game changes every year. Game changes yeah. year to year. Uh, the rules change every year. The players change every year. And I feel like kind of going back into what I found uh, that made me not unsuccessful, but one of the things I had to learn from is I wasn't growing with the game. I essentially was just trying to uh, copy and paste from, you know, maybe 15 years prior. Um, and not to say that there aren't some valuable things that I learned 15 years prior that I could have taken with me. Um, but just about constantly needing to, just like the players, train. Um, I feel like coaches have to train just like they do. Um, and I do. And my shout out wasn't necessary for USA Hockey. Uh, but I guess I'll include that in there, that they they do a great job with that. Uh, Evan, you did a great job. That's one of the things that stood out to me and made me be like, hey, like I'd really like to have him on the podcast one of these days. Awesome. Um, so I do really thank you for coming on. But yeah, my, uh, my shout out is going to be for education, always trying to grow and learn. Uh, if you come across some new information that you don't feel like applies or doesn't work for you, you don't have to take it, but at least be open to it. Put the th thought through your head. And um, yeah, I feel like it's just beneficial to at least as a testing exercise, uh, think about different things. Um, yeah. Uh, does that, sound, does that sound good, Evan? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Well, I only have one last thing to do. Uh, I have to tell everybody how they can get a hold of us. Uh, yep. they can find us at faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. Faceoffspotpodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Facebook. We do have an Instagram. Um, I'm told anywhere that you can find uh, podcast you can find us so we should be out there uh one more time big thanks to our sponsor howie's hockey cape company uh face off women over 10 for 10 percent off um yeah evan um i hope that so here's what's going to happen i'm not going to lie to you there are going to be times where i'm still going to bother you yeah i'm going to be i'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to reach out to you i'm going to say Evan, what's going on here with my 10u team uh, they're going crazy help me out but uh i feel like this is kind of that community of coaches that we're talking about um, I lean on a bunch of coaches throughout the year. I'm sure you do as well. Um, but it's just, it's really important to kind of have those uh, uh, open lines of communication. Uh, even though you're all the way up there north and I'm down here in the uh, DFW area, yeah. um, I plan on bothering you because uh, I think you're doing great. And I think that uh, you have a bunch of knowledge. Um, but yeah, um, I will talk to you soon. Yeah, keep going. Maybe I'll get another appearance too if I'm not too bad. Hey, know? no, yeah, you did great. I just don't want you to steal the show from me. You're too good at talking. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, hey, no, it makes the episode way easier for me. But uh, Evan, uh, we will certainly get together. I'm even trying to think about having like a coaching roundtable at some point. Um, I think a lot of good conversations could happen between that too. But uh, anyway, Evan, uh, thank you again for coming on the show, and uh, I really appreciate it.